Hey guys, Pastor Ben. Thank you for joining us here on FCC Online. We are truly thankful and appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to our messages. One thing that I do want to encourage you to do is as you're watching these, please don't allow these to be your primary resource in your spiritual journey and your walk with Jesus. Keep these as a supplement to what you do on a weekly basis from the gathering, uh, being connected, being part of a life of a local church body. We want these to bless you. We want these messages and these videos to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But please do not allow these to replace anything that you have to do with a local church body. So if you're visiting with us this morning, if this is your first time here at First Church, my name is Ben James. I am the lead pastor. We are glad that you are celebrating this Resurrection Sunday with us. We're going to begin a study that's going to carry us over the next few uh, months. It's called That Same Spirit. We're going to be looking at the role of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. But we're going to begin today with a message of resurrection power. We are here today celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that is promised to us through the fulfillment of his life, his death, his burial, then his resurrection and ascension. But it didn't stop there. There came a helper, a comforter, his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit walks with the believer, dwells in the believer, lives with the believer, goes with the believer each and every day. Today we celebrate a day of resurrection. But tomorrow we celebrate because the, the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead now is the promise to dwell in the heart and the life of the believer. So with that, I'm going to ask if you would to turn to the book of Ephesians. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the uh, writings of Paul. And if you're like me, I know I've said this a time or two here, but, you know, simple-minded person, I always had trouble with, like, the order of the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, until my life was forever changed. Someone taught me this, this acronym, this acrostic for it. So Galatians G-E-P-C, right? Gentiles eat pork chops. <laughs> Spoke to my heart, changed my life. Listen, I kid you not, I've been preaching for almost over 20 years now. I stood in my office this morning going, Gentiles eat. There it is. So Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be reading, starting with verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Quick word of prayer this morning. Father, we come to you in, your, uh, in this time, in your word, and we pray that you would quicken our hearts, open our ears and minds to receive what you have to speak to us this morning. God, I pray that uh, right now that you would give me words that my voice could communicate the truths and the ever-changing nature of your word in our lives. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit speak through me, use my voice as a vessel, in Jesus' name, amen. So has anyone ever used this phrase or had this outlook on something in your life? There is just no way. There's no way. Maybe we didn't use that terminology. Maybe we put this in the words of, I can't. I just can't. Right? I think that whether we would say that aloud, I think that there's so many things in our lives that we look at to where maybe we get to a point where we're endeavoring to go through something, where life has thrown us into a situation, has, has got us into this circumstance that we just look at it and we go, I just can't do this anymore. There's no way. I can't. The Apostle Paul here in this passage, in Ephesians chapter 1, starts, he's getting ready to pray for the church at Ephesus. Now keep in mind that even though this was written as a circulatory letter that went through the province of Asia Minor in the different areas, Ephesus being one of them, this would have been circulated to a lot of different churches, a lot of different believers. But his words here are not just fixed towards them in that time. It's for us as well. These words are for us as well currently. He begins, verse 15, with this statement when he says, For this reason. So that's a connective statement. At the beginning of this chapter, Paul, ever being the preacher, had one massive run-on sentence. No punctuation, no stop in thought, no transition, just one continuous blah, blah, blah. Okay? You all hear that most every Sunday. But from verses 3 to verse 14, Paul just puts pen to paper and just writes. I mean, with zero care of any type of grammar. I get that. Just to let you know that if you're here and you have any type of background in history in proper English grammar, you may wind up like the Mr. Crab gif, you know, off Spongebob. We get real deep and theological right now. We're talking about Spongebob, all right? But if you're hoping for proper grammar through this entire thing, you're going, your eyes are going to end up twitching like, like that Mr. Crab gif. But we see in this passage from 3 through 14... All the blessings that we have. And there are like two words. According to your translation, there's two words 
that Paul echoes over and over and over again in verses 3 through 14. And that is in Christ or in him. Either one, and they're interchangeable there. So basically, Paul writes in this run-on thought nine times, in Christ, 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 in Christ. Wait, okay. There's a reason I do this with two hands. Two and two make four. Nine times in Christ. So he's laid this foundation of this is where you find yourself currently. That's what he's speaking about in 3 through 14. This is where you are. This is what's happening now. And then he transitions into, for this reason, here is my prayer for you. And he verbalizes three prayers. He asks for three things in prayer that I want us to go through very quickly this morning. The first of which is found in verse 18 when we see that there is a promise in our lives in God for our future. We have a promise of the future in verse 18 when it says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. This is his first ask in this prayer, that you know the hope to which he has called you. Does anybody, could, could anyone in here use a little shot of hope this morning? Like, you could use a little bit more hope in your life. See, what he was doing was he was writing to these believers who were either Jewish converts recently, or they were Gentile converts, which, be, which meant that if you were a Jewish convert, that you believed in God, Yahweh. But you've given your heart and you've converted over to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the sent one. He is the Son of God. If you were a Gentile believer, then you had a pagan background. You didn't believe in Yahweh at all. But you had converted and given your heart to Jesus Christ. And in this group of believers, what they found were there were so many people who were still struggling with the same things that they had always struggled with before they gave their heart to the Lord. Any, anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Right? Like, we know this. And there's, there's two ways that this resurrection affects us this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, then there's hope in Christ because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So there's hope in the gospel of the salvific nature of Jesus' sacrifice. But if you're here and you know Jesus and you've known him basically your whole life, there's hope for you too because it's the hope that he has called you to in eternity. So the reality is this morning, each and every one of us, no matter where we find ourselves, we need hope. We need more hope. Lost, saved, in between somehow, whatever your status is, here's where we all are. We are living as broken people. I stand in front of you as a completely broken person. And so many of the things that happen in my life that cause me to stumble, that trip me up, that, that have, me, have me just on, flat on my back sometimes, knocked out, some of that is a result of my brokenness. 
Sometimes it's not. Because guess what? I am a broken person who is surrounded by other broken people. You're broken. You're broken. And sometimes the things that I go through is a result of other people being broken. And it's not necessarily my fault. But then there are times that I find myself being a broken person, surrounded by broken people, living in a completely broken world. Sometimes the things that we go through aren't our fault. They aren't someone else's fault. It's the fact that we live in a fallen, sin-filled, broken world. Believer, non-believer, doesn't matter. We're going to face things because of brokenness, either ours, others, or because of the world's brokenness. And Paul is writing to encourage them that in Christ you have this hope. So regardless of where, whatever station of life that you're in this morning, doesn't matter. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope in his resurrection. There is hope that he's still seated at the right hand of the Father. There is hope that he is still the name above all names. There is hope that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is hope that he is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. There is hope in this house this morning and his name is Jesus Christ. No matter where you are. Because he is resurrected and alive today. There is hope. So we have a promise of a future in Christ. Eternity is our hope. Eternity with Christ. That's my hope. When I'm going through difficult times, when I'm facing harsh situations, eternity in Christ, in Christ, is where I make my stand. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 and 14, he says that we don't suffer through this world like others. He doesn't stop by saying we don't suffer. He says we suffer, but we don't suffer the same as others do. Why? Because we have a hope in Jesus Christ. And in verse 14, he articulates that hope. He said that hope that we have that carries us through hard times, difficulties, and sufferings is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have the future. We have the promise of a future in hope in him. Next, we have this, this power and this promise, go ahead and give me the next slide, please, of purpose in him. In verse 18, at the end of it, it says that, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Let's pay really close attention to the wording there, because it does not say that it's our inheritance of the saints. It is his what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints it is his inheritance in the saints we're not talking about our inheritance here that's that hope our inheritance is heaven our inheritance is an eternity this is talking about purpose in him our purpose is that in his eyes understand something it's not that heaven is incomplete. It's not that heaven is missing anything. It's not that God is dependent upon us in any way. But I, don't, I am looking forward to heaven. 
Amen. Anybody else? I am looking forward to heaven, but I believe that God is looking forward to eternity in heaven too. You want to know why? Because the only thing that's not there yet is you. Because you are his inheritance. Think about that. Is that not mind-blowing? That God is like, I am surrounded by perfection that could not get any better, but wait a minute, there's one element that's missing here. There's one thing that I'm waiting on. There's this Amazon package that I'm tracking like nobody's business because I want to get home and get off my porch before my spouse sees it. I'm not pointing any fingers, but... God's saying, I'm just waiting on you for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God is tracking the package. He's waiting anxiously for your arrival. You are part of his inheritance. Praise God. Praise God. I'm sorry. Y'all may not lose your mind. I'm about to lose my mind right now about this, okay? Because God is just waiting. This gospel isn't about me. This gospel isn't about you. We see in verses 3 through 14, it's about in Christ. It's not about us. But never lose fact of you are part of his story. It's all about him, but you play a critical, just such an important role in his story. Because we find this thing out, right, that a lot of the times the gospel in the westernized church has become all about us. It's about our prosperity. It's about our well-being. It's about our comfort. Spoiler alert. It's about none of those. Now, God may bless us with those. That's at his sovereign call, not mine. But the one thing I do know is that God said, I've seen that train wreck of a life of a broken man whose name is Ben James, and I loved him so much that I was willing to send my son to die for him. And I am waiting, eagerly anticipating when he gets to heaven and I get to spend eternity with him. And you know what? He thinks the exact same thing about every one of you. That's your purpose. If you're ever drifting around going, well, there's 8 billion people in the world. I guess I just got lost somewhere in the mix. You know, it's not going to matter for, you know, if we lose one. No, God said you matter. You matter so much that I'm willing to die innocently so that you can matter. You have a purpose with me in eternity. And then the last one in verse 19, there's a promise of power in him. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? So we have the promise of a future. We have a purpose. We have a promise of eternity. We have a purpose awaiting that time. And now God says, I'm not going to leave you here stranded because I'm going to give you power. It's just like the disciples when Jesus ascended because he said, wait, I'll send you another comforter. Wait, I will send you someone to help you. Wait, I'm, going, I'm not going to neglect you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Wait, because there is a comforter coming. There is a helper coming. So what is this power? What is this power he's promised? Turn to Romans chapter 8, if you will. 
We're going to read two verses out of Romans chapter 8. It's going to be verses 10 and 11. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, can I just insert a, a, a word there? Because the body is broken, our brokenness, because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The purpose, the promise, and the power. And that power is His Holy Spirit living in your life. His Holy Spirit that provides you the strength, the courage, the boldness, and the resilience to live through everything that this life throws at you. And I, I would like to see a throw of hands. A throw of hands. Nobody throw hands. <laughs> and if you throw hands, stay back there. Throw hands. I would like to see a show of hands. Where was I going? Wilma, why do I do this? <laughs> oh, here it was. Okay. I'd like to see a show of hands. How many of you within like the past three years have just, in the words of Popeye, have had all I can stands and I can't stands no more? Anybody been there? It's like, I, I, I don't think, I don't think I can take another thing. I don't see how I'm going to be able to withstand anything else. That's the power. That's where that helper comes in. That's where that comforter comes in. That's where that boldness and that encouragement can, can rise up from within you. Because guess what? That statement that I made earlier that I can't, I, I can't. In me, in and of my own self, my own power, I simply can't. There's just no way. But in Christ, I'm a new creation. But in Christ, I am more than a conqueror. In Christ, I am victorious. In Christ, I am proclaimed righteous. In Christ, I am declared His. I am not of this world in Him. And it's through the power of His Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. Can, can I just submit a thought to you this morning? Jesus did not raise himself from the dead. Jesus did not resurrect himself. The Holy Spirit of God resurrected Jesus. That power, that same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. Lives in our heart as a believer. That power and one, uh, there was a, a Scottish philosopher, theologian, as Kelly Blodgett so eloquently put it, he's an old dead guy. So I, I can't even remember his last name at this point. But he made the statement that the resurrection of Christ has only one thing that you could compare to it. And that's when God spoke something into nothing. 
Think about that. When God spoke and the world was created, that's the only thing that rivals the power that was at work in the resurrection. That's what we're here celebrating. And it's not just the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. It's the fact that we will rise from the dead as well. That we will see Jesus. Now we're going to, this body is going to lay there. All right, it's going to decay. It's going to do its thing. This thing, I'm going to have a full head of hair in heaven. I just, I, I name it and claim it right now. <laughs> I blab it and grab it right now in the name of Jesus. I'm going to have that full head of hair. But I'm going to receive, Kevin, you know what I'm talking about. Dave, you're with me, right? Okay. I just keep, now I'm just seeing all bald heads. Okay. <laughs> It's that new glorified body is going to be resurrected. And I'm going to spend my eternity with Jesus Christ. No matter what end I meet here, no matter what suffering I have, no matter what victories I have here, no matter what amount of blessings or how much prosperity that God might decide to bless me with, there is nothing that's even comparable to the riches of the promise that I have the hope of spending eternity together with Jesus Christ. So here's my challenge to you this morning. I want to ask the praise team if they would to come on back up, please. Here's the challenge for us today. We need to live from Easter. We don't need to live to Easter. We need to live from the resurrection. We don't need to live like we're trying to get to the resurrection. We're here celebrating the resurrection and it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we're here. Now, make no mistake, without the birth, without the death, there is no resurrection. But without the resurrection, he'd just be another old dead guy. And we need to live from that 1 Corinthians 5, 17, that if I am in Christ, I'm a new creation. All of who I was, all of that old stuff, has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We need to live from the place of resurrection, victory, not like we're trying to get there. What in your life, what area, what situation, what relationship, what anything, what in your area can you identify in your life right now that you're actually taking more of a stance that I'm trying to live to victory? And live to resurrection instead of living from it. Because we still fight battles. But in Christ Jesus, we fight our battles to enforce the victory that was already in our, that's already been won by Jesus Christ. We, we don't fight to obtain it. If we're trying to obtain victory in, in our fighting, we're going to lose every time. But we fight from a place where we're enforcing the victory that Jesus Christ has already won. Amen? Live from the resurrection. Don't live to it.